Welcome to the Folktale Project. This is Dan Scholes, and today we start one of two chapters in the story of Bluebeard, a rather famous and infamous tale. This one in particular, I have to be honest and say that I don't really love this version of Bluebeard, of which there are many, but I do appreciate that while at the time that this story was being captured by Andrew Lang for the Blue Fairy book, Lang was displeased with the themes in the illustrations currently, which had an a racist, <laughs> quite racist, Asian look to them, prescribing the other, this blue beard. And Lang didn't like that because he felt that it hid the westernness of the tale. And so, for his story, it is most certainly not hidden. This is Bluebeard, Part 1. There was a man who had fine houses both in town and country, a deal of silver and gold plate, embroidered furniture, and coaches gilded all over with gold. But this man was so unlucky as to have a blue beard which made him so frightfully ugly that all the women and girls ran away from him. One of his neighbors, a lady of quality, had two daughters who were perfect beauties. He desired of her one of them in marriage, leaving to her choice which of the two she would bestow on him. They would neither of them have him, and sent him backwards and forwards from one another, not being able to bear the thoughts of marrying a man who had a blue beard, and what besides gave them disgust and aversion was his already having been married to several wives, and nobody ever knew what became of them. Bluebeard, to engage their affection, took them, with the lady their mother and three or four ladies of their acquaintance, with other young people of the neighborhood, to one of his county seats, where they stayed a whole week. There was nothing then to be seen but parties of pleasure, hunting, fishing, dancing, mirth, and feasting. Nobody went to bed, but all passed the night in rallying and joking with each other. In short, everything succeeded so well that the youngest daughter began to think the master of the house not to have a beard so very blue, and that he was a mighty civil gentleman. As soon as they returned home, the marriage was concluded. About a month afterwards, Bluebeard told his wife that he was obliged to take a country journey for six weeks at least, about affairs of very great consequence. Desiring her to divert herself in his absence, to send for her friends and acquaintances, to carry them into the country if she pleased, and to make good cheer wherever she was. Here, he said, are the keys of the two great wardrobes wherein I have my best furniture. These are of my silver and gold plate, which is not every day in use. These open my strong boxes, which hold my money, both gold and silver. These my caskets of jewels. And this is the master key to all my apartments. But for this little one here, it is the key of the closet at the end of the great gallery on the ground floor. Open them all. Go into all and every one of them, except that little closet, which I forbid you, and forbid it in such a manner that, if you happen to open it, there's nothing but what you may expect from my just anger and resentment. She promised to observe very exactly whatever he had ordered. 
when he, after having embraced her, got into his coach and proceeded on his journey. Her neighbors and good friends did not stay to be sent for by the new married lady, so great was their impatience to see all the rich furniture of her house, not daring to come while her husband was there because of his blue beard which frightened them. They ran through all the rooms, closets, and wardrobes which were all so fine and rich that they seemed to surpass one another. After that, they went up into the two great rooms, where were the best and richest furniture. They could not sufficiently admire the number and beauty of the tapestry beds, couches, cabinets, stands, tables, and looking-glasses in which you might see yourself from head to foot. Some of them were framed with glass, others with silver, plain and gilded, the finest and most magnificent ever were seen. They ceased not to extol and envy the happiness of their friend, who in the meantime in no way diverted herself in looking upon all these rich things because of the impatience she had to go and open the closet on the ground floor. She was so much pressed by her curiosity that, without considering that it was very uncivil to leave her company, she went down a little back staircase, and, with such excessive haste that she had twice or thrice liked to have broken her neck, came to the closet door. She made a stop for some time, thinking upon her husband's orders, and considering what unhappiness might attend her if she was disobedient, but the temptation was so strong that she could not overcome it. She then took the little key and opened it, trembling, but could not at first see anything plainly because the windows were shut. After some moments, she began to perceive that the floor was covered with clotted blood, on which lay the bodies of several dead women ranged against the walls. These were all the wives whom Bluebeard had married and murdered one after another. She thought that she should have died for fear, and the key which she pulled out of the lock fell out of her hand. And that is part one of two of the story of Bluebeard. And we'll see what happens to the young lady of the house when Bluebeard returns. This is Dan Scholes for the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Threads and Instagram at Folktale Project. And you can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. As always, thank you so much for listening.